And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with uh, amazing, wonderful Dr. Bear Paul Lando up there in the uh, South Fork of the Smith River. I'm on the Middle Fork of the Smith River up here in the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. Summer is in uh, full kicking motion. Uh, the Everything's in bloom. The gardens are looking lovely. Uh, the Jaugulan trellises are full bare. Uh, and uh, you, you're busy digging holes and planting more stuff. Every time I go over there, the gardens are just blowing up with um, abundance, and it's just an exciting time for Alpha Vedic uh, as, yeah. um, you know, everything is uh, in bloom and beautiful, huh? I uh, I barely made it this morning. I'm a little disheveled here. Sorry, uh, I have to gather myself. I had an early start. Uh, the last few nights we've been kept up by this uh, teenage bear who doesn't know the ropes yet. So we're trying to train him. And he was on the deck again last night trying to tear stuff up. So I had to go have a talk with him. Uh, this morning I did repair a main irrigation line, you know, with our main water thing. Uh, my granddaughter wanted to go fishing at five o'clock this morning. And uh, so anyway, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, I realized, geez, we're on and 15 minutes. Oh, I threw on some stuff and here I am. And Eileen, uh, so amazing to have you here today. Uh, but I'm going to pass it back over to Mike. He'll give you a proper intro and then we'll just have a great conversation. Yeah, today is going to be uh, an amazing talk. I just had a session with the great uh, Eileen McCusick yesterday, and it was really groundbreaking for me. And we'll talk about it today. Uh, it was uh, not expected. I got to be honest, doing it over Zoom. It was uh, really impressive. So I can't wait to share some of my own personal experience with this work and uh, hear more from Eileen on her perspective on it, because uh, uh, I'm still kind of reeling from it. And um, uh, yes, it was just fantastic. Uh, real quick, uh, on one last uh, little uh, note and before we start, Music and Sky, uh, we have two days left for the $100 early bird ticket discount. So if you are looking to come to Music and Sky and want to save 100 bucks, pull the trigger now, go to musicandsky.com and... Um, the uh, code actually you can use is Alpha Vedic 22, Alpha Vedic 22, and that gives you 100 bucks off your ticket. And that includes farm to table food, uh, all the amenities. We have beautiful bathrooms, swimming, heated swimming pool. Uh, we'll have a children's stage, uh, vendor village, 24 7 art gallery, uh, and everything else that comes with it. And Eileen may even be coming now. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Ooh. So, uh, yes. And Chance Garten, homie, who's helped us connect with this today because he's the one who really wanted to see this talk happen. Now he's super pumped and wants to come out. Uh, and so it's just this cascading effect of all these beautiful mm -hmm. souls, all these great thought leaders and people changing the world coming together in this vortex that is music and sky. So very exciting. And then uh, anything else, Bear? I think that's good. Uh, I'm telling you guys, we're getting very close to launching our private membership platform. Thanks for being patient with us. It's just tough because summertime's busy on the farm and we're a small family operation and we're doing, we're doing it all ourselves, but we are getting very close to that. So we will announce that uh, through our mailing list once that launches. If you're not on our mailing list yet, please join our mailing list at alphavedic.com. Also, please join us on telegram t.me forward slash alphavedic or at discord at alphavedic.com forward slash discord. Okay, without further ado. Hang on, our, um, 
Go ahead. On our membership site, sorry, one quick thing. We'll be like we have a law seminar coming up pretty soon. We'll be recording it. That'll be uh, uh, available behind the scenes for the members in our, you know, the different tiers of membership. Uh, we'll be doing workshops here on the land and, uh, you know, laboratory uh, uh, herb preparation. We'll be doing uh, agriculture workshops. Uh, we've got a mushroom uh, workshop coming up and no, right after the law one where we'll show people how to make mushrooms part of their food forest at home, wherever they live. Uh, shoot, we'll, uh, we'll be doing sound therapy things too, which, uh, you know, we'll talk about today. Um, so Mike, sorry to uh, interrupt, but go for it and let's get going here. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that with Marsha and which it, we need to do an alpha cast with her as well, Bear, bring her out more to the public because she is next yes. level when it comes to law. Um, and speaking of next level, today we have Eileen McCusick on uh, tuning the biofield. AlphaCast endeavors to present an eclectic array of interview guests and subject matter reflective of the AlphaVedic team's collective experience and expertise, integrative medicine, biodynamic agriculture, sustainable economics, and the universal intelligence that sustains all of the above has been our domain. On this AlphaCast, we are thrilled to have what will assuredly be an enlightening conversation with Eileen McCusick, a researcher, award-winning author, and founder of Biofield Tuning, a groundbreaking sound therapy modality. Having spent over 20 years researching the electromagnetic field that surrounds the human body, the quote-unquote biofield, she has meticulously mapped it, revealing the influence of magnetic fields on our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Eileen has trained thousands of healers, clinicians, and practitioners to utilize biofield tuning in their healing practices. She's discovered that the human biofield contains a very specific anatomy and physiology, and that it can be successfully modulated with the tone of a simple medical tuning fork to produce consistent and useful therapeutic outcomes. A dynamic and inspiring speaker, she presents internationally on biofield science, therapeutic sound, consciousness, electricity, and plasma, and human health, and potential. She has presented at the Electric Universe Conference, Ubuntu Fest, the Global Sound Healing Conference, and many more professional gatherings. Based on her master's thesis, exploring the effects of audible sound on the human body and its biofield, Eileen's book, Tuning the Human Biofield, won the Nautilus Award and received widespread acclaim. She is currently working on her second book. Actually, that book is out now, the, uh, which, uh, Bear, you have in your possession, uh, Electric Body, Electric Health. And... Um, uh, she's the founder of the Biofield Tuning Institute, which is partnering with the Consciousness and Healing Initiative and the Institute of Noetic Sciences to apply the scientific method to the biofield anatomy hypothesis. The Biofield Tuning Institute is also spearheading the outreach programs Tuners Without Borders, which seeks to, to bring biofield tuning to at-risk populations around the world. Wow, Eileen, you have your hands full doing so much. Bear, take it away. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Eileen, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. This is going to be way too much fun because this is, uh, you're preaching to the choir today. This is, uh, you know, exactly what we're into. We talk a lot about it. And um, sound therapy is something that attracted me a long time ago. Uh, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I started studying with a guy by the name of Theo Gimbel. Uh, from Great Britain. He's no longer around, but he was uh, at that time kind of the, the premier sound and light guy. Uh, so I got my start with him. And then uh, right after that, 
I became friends with a German composer, conductor, uh, Joseph Gunzinger, who uh, traveled the world collecting these big gongs. I mean, these huge you know, gongs. And he had a sound room in Hawaii where we all lived. Uh, just uh, spectacular, you know, all acoustically proper and everything. So, and he was a Steiner expert teacher. So uh, I got the introduction to Steiner's whole take on, you know, the evolution of the collective and individual soul through the octaves, uh, you know, and, and that sort of thing and applied that to medicine. And then uh, right after that, with my acupuncture work, I got into tuning forks. Now, uh, I'd, I'd like to do a little contrast because it's it's a whole different kind of system and everything. But uh, I really became a, a practitioner of tuning forks instead of needles. I did the switch because I realized that tuning forks actually deliver the resonance beyond just the audible, you know, through the tissue. It reaches the etheric and even into the astral where actually... Uh, you know, correlates with the sound water ether, you know, which is that important conduit to precipitation of matter. And so, um, you know, I just got better results. And so I'd like to talk about all that sort of thing. And obviously, you've taken it to another level of expertise with your instruments and everything. And I want to let you know that as I was doing a little research yesterday, I went on your site, and I was really excited about some of your items. So I ordered the Schumann, the Sonic Slider, and the Fibonacci pair. So I'm really excited to add those to my arsenal because right now I just have more, you know, I work more on a pentonic scale. Uh, actually, the original uh, Chinese pentonic scale kind of merged with the heptonic scale, you know, more with Western music that I learned and then kind of use that in an acupuncture format. So I'm really excited to hear, uh, you know, about how you apply your therapy and everything. So um, also along the way, if we could, I'd really like to go through a few of your tuning forks, maybe have you give a little explanation so our audience understands maybe how they can apply this, use that at home and just get familiar with your whole system. So maybe the first question I have for you is how did you get in all this uh, sound business in the first place? Well, I got into healing for the same reason why a lot of people go into it, which is the interest in my own self healing. Uh, <clears throat> when I was 18, when I was 17, I became bulimic. And when I was 18, I tried to stop and I couldn't. And I discovered that I had this disconnect between my conscious mind and my subconscious behavior and that I wasn't in control of myself and that I was engaged in very compulsive, addictive, shameful behavior um, that was really debilitating. And uh, my mom tried to bring me to our family doctor who we'd just gotten because of our health insurance. And he and I got into an argument over whether reality was subjective or objective. And uh, and I was insisting that reality was, was subjective because the only way you could perceive reality was subjectively. And, uh, and he threw his hands up in the air and said that he couldn't help me. And, uh, and so I was kind of on my own to figure out how to heal. And I started reading self-help books. And I'm a really fast reader. I process information very quickly. So uh, that just turned into a lifelong passion in being curious about how to be a healthy human. Our culture is really set up to derail us in so many ways into all kinds of unhealthy behaviors. And, um, and I kind of fell hook, line and sinker into like all these cultural traps that get set. Um, I say that I'm both stupid and clever, I'm stupid enough to fall into all of these traps, but then clever enough to figure out how to get out of them. 
And so, uh, so I was able, by the time I was 20, I figured out why, what my addiction was. So I'm what I call a bothist. Uh, I'm a Libra, right? And so as young women, um, and even still now, although I don't think it's as bad as it was in the 80s, we have two signs held up to us and one is consume and the other is be skinny. And so being bulimic was a way for me to do both. I could consume and not get fat at the same time. Uh, but I ended up figuring out two really important things that helped me to stop that behavior. And one was that I'd been programmed for that behavior, that there wasn't really anything wrong with me, that I was just responding to cultural programming. And the other thing was, was that it was my hand and my mouth. And if I wasn't in control of me, then who or what was, right? And I realized that I was the only one who could get a grip on myself. And, and I was able to do that and get over the bulimia, but then I still was a sugar addict for a really long time. Like it took me a really long time to uh, liberate myself from my addiction to food. And I have been, you know, totally free for years now. Uh, I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Like it's all pleasure and no guilt and drama, thankfully. But it took a long time to get there. Uh, and so part of my healing journey was um, in, in discovering that I was interested in health and not just health, but human potential, science and spirituality, you know, a really big quest uh, in my early 20s and uh, got led, you know, for those of us who are researchers, and I imagine a lot of people who watch this show are, you know that one rabbit hole leads to another, to another, to another. And um, 1995 or so, I read the book um, Quantum Healing by Deepak Chopra and got introduced to the idea that everything is really vibration. Like at a fundamental level, there is no matter that, that stuff is an artifact of human perception, that ultimately we're all just packets of vibration and waves. And then I came across vibrational healing. So the use of color and sound and music in healing and um, when I came across that, I was I was doing massage therapy part time. Um, I had thought about I actually opened a restaurant when I was 20, which was a crazy thing to do because I just stopped being bulimic and then I was surrounded by food and it was really busy and really stressful. And after four years of that, I couldn't take it anymore. I'd really completely exhausted myself. And so I was thinking that I wanted to maybe be a naturopath, but I never went to college out of high school and I hated school. And the thought of being in school for like 12 years to become a naturopath was unbearable. So I went to massage therapy school and- uh, It was unbearable. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> and so when I, uh, I, I came back to the restaurant after that and I just did massage part-time on the side and uh and was reading all these books you know whatever was available in the mid 90s there wasn't a lot honestly back then um but after i got through my stack of book i got a gaia catalog in the mail that had a set of teeny forks for healing in it and just kind of impulsively i ordered them and would ask my massage clients that i was pretty comfortable with if they wanted to be guinea pigs and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I think a lot of people get tuning for and are like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, but they had a little tiny instruction book and it said, you see in the root center, D in the second, E in the third and so on. So that's what I started doing. I would just activate the C and I'd hold it over, you know, where somebody's root center was. And right off the bat, I observed things that I didn't expect. Like I thought if I activated a tuning fork that was a note of C and I held it over the body, that it would sound like a C. 
but it didn't. It would like depending on where I held it, it would go sharp or flat or loud or soft or sound like it was full of static. And in the beginning, the skeptics would say to me, that's just room acoustics. You know, that's just the Doppler effect. That's just, you know, but I was like, okay, I get all that. Like I can observe room acoustics. I can observe the Doppler effect, but I also see that there is another thing going on here as well. And I didn't really understand it. It took me a long time, many years to finally like grasp what was going on in the picture, including going to college and writing a master's thesis about it. Uh, but so two things that I observed was that one, in certain areas, the fork would go really loud. Like if I was using the, the G over the heart and, and I was sort of scanning the, the upper chest, I would find that if I like I passed over one shoulder that it would sound loud there, but then when I kind of passed through that zone, it would go quiet and it would be quiet like over the energy center. And I made the observation that I could actually move these loud spots around with the tuning fork. It was like the tuning fork was a magnet and that was like an area of magnetism and just like using a uh, magnetic stylus to move iron filings, like I could move the loud spot. And so it would sound loud at the shoulder. They might be saying that they had pain there and then I would move it to the center and it wouldn't be loud over there anymore and it would be loud in the middle now. And then they go, wow, I don't have shoulder pain anymore. So that was one observation was that I could move loud spots. And the other was whenever I got into an area where it sounded like fuzzy or full of static, if I just held it there for a little while and kept on you know, activating it and reintroducing it to that zone, that after a little while, it would sound harmonious. It wouldn't, it wouldn't sound dissonant anymore. It would sound more clear. And so people started reporting to me that they had you know that they didn't have pain anymore that they slept better that they didn't fight with their spouse and so my massage clients would come back in and say do that sound thing again and so in pretty short order i stopped doing massage and just doing sound and then i got really creative with it um i because i wanted to do like all the vibrational medicine things so i got colored light bulbs 100 watt colored light bulbs in every single color of the rainbow and I got this gooseneck lamp that I would like screw in whatever colored bulb and put it on the center. I got a surround sound stereo with a subwoofer under the table and I play musical selections and I do tuning fork work. But then over time, I moved to an office where I couldn't have the subwoofer and there was no point in surround sound if there was no subwoofer in my opinion. So that went out the window. And then my lamp broke and I never replaced it. And I just ended up focusing on the tuning forks, which I ended up doing as a hobby for like 10 years. Um, I never wanted to do it as a vocation because in Connecticut in the 90s, when I told people I was doing sound healing with tuning forks, like you can imagine the kind of response I got. <laughs> people were really dismissive and in a, in a mean way, like people were really skeptical and dis, just so like, bah. <laughs> and uh, there's just something about tuning forks that just says fruity, you know, it says woo woo, airy fairy, new agey. And I'm not like that, you know, I'm actually very grounded, very practical, very linear, very logical. And so I didn't want to be seen as like the tuning fork lady. <laughs> I was like, so I was like, yeah, just <laughs> as a hobby. But 26 isn't years it, later, I'm doing it. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how people uh, will project those kind of judgments on things they don't understand? And, you know, the sound therapy is uh, the oldest thing on the planet, actually. You know, uh, my orientation of it was with Chinese medicine and uh, 
who is a guy oh, centuries ago, Ling Loon, who was uh, considered the master musicologist at the time in that culture. He was commissioned by the emperor to uh, figure out this whole tonal scale because they created their entire society based on uh, music. And the music was designed to uh, have not only a balance, but an evolving society and population. So everything they did was based on this. And Ling Loon uh, figured out the original pentonic Chinese scale by going out in, into the mountains in this special bamboo and, and uh, cutting bamboo pieces. And he found the exact lengths uh, of the bamboo in order to create the different tones because they when they talked about the five elements, they were talking about tones. You know, you mentioned G, well, that's the metal element to them. So that was just a metaphor for what they understood as the resonance that creates all matter. And um, the interesting one, you know, F sharp, which was the earth element, uh, they found that associated with a, a frequency of 81 and 81 is nine squared, you know, three to the fourth. And it also, um, uh, creates geometrically a square within a circle. That's why their original coin, you know, is the, the hollowed out square with the circle, which is the inverse of what we know in waveform physics, you know, with the sphere, you know, creating within the cube. So down here on the ground, everything's like the mirror image. So they were on to all this like crazy stuff a long time ago. And they used to use these flutes cut in different lengths to uh, represent each one of the five pentonic, you know, elements in the scale there. And that was uh, their original uh, form of medicine, but tuning forks um, actually do it a whole lot better. I uh, wanted to ask you a quick question. I just thought of it. I was talking to um, Adam Biggleson yesterday because uh, we just did a thing with uh, microscopy. You know, they're doing a university. And uh, he was telling me about your guitar prowess. And he said that you're giving up six strings for to become a bass player. Is that true? No, that's funny. I was talking to Adam Biggleson yesterday too. Um, and Adam was my guitar teacher for a while and I was really mm -hmm. loving it. But then I went through uh, an experience of three weeks of not playing while I was living in Jamaica and my nails grew. And I, I'm so embarrassed to admit that I'm so shallow and vain, uh, but I decided <laughs> that I would rather have long nails than play guitar. <laughs> so, uh, so now there's a saxophone sitting in my living room waiting for me to play that instead because I can have nails to play the saxophone. So, <laughs> uh, uh, That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, just as a segue into, uh, you know, your, your area of expertise in electric body, you know, I think it's interesting, you're a Libra, you know, if you look at Libra, the constitutional cell salt, the inorganic element um, is all about balance. It's, uh, it's, um, uh, um, it's about creating balance within the pH. And the pH, of course, is that electrical resistance that dictates how fast or slow the electric electricity is flowing through your body. So, um, so anyway, uh, you know, I think you're kind of set up perfectly to, uh, you know, come in here because the, you know, the cell salts, they, they're the capacitors to create the resonance, which is the music, you know, coming from that astral plane. And so here you are, you know, with that particular constitution, and it's all about using resonance to to find balance. So maybe with that, I don't know if it's a great segue, but uh, let's well, maybe get into electric body and how you look at that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, I was actually born in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, in the middle of the month, and I'm a Libra, and oh, my wow. my work has been all about balance. So <laughs> it's, uh, I guess, is sort of meant to be in the astrological realm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this whole idea that our body has an electrical system is something that we don't really talk about. Like a lot of people might be familiar with the book, The Body Electric, that was written by, um, I'm sorry, I'm Becker. having a on his name right now. What did you say? Is it Becker? Becker yeah, Robert O. Becker, Robert o. Becker yeah. right? And he also mm -hmm. wrote a book called Cross Currents. And I read, I read um, The Body Electric when I was writing my master's thesis, but I recently picked up Cross Currents and I was reading through it. And this book was written in, I think, like 1981. And he's talking about the body's electrical system. And like mm -hmm. nobody seemed to follow in his footsteps because it mm -hmm. isn't anything that we talk about. Like if people are trying to allude to the electricity in the body, they tend to refer to the nervous system. But really, our entire body is electrical, and it's really one of those cases of like not seeing the forest for the trees. Well, most people realize that your brain waves are electric. If you get an EEG and they put those electrodes on you, they're reading the electrical waves that are coming through your skull. Like they don't stop at your scalp, like they propagate away from your head. Um, that our heart is electric, our heartbeat is electric. If your electric heartbeat gets kaflui, they give you a pacemaker to regulate that electric rhythm. Our bones are crystals that make electricity when they're compressed. Our fascia, our collagen, all our semiconductors that are continually conducting light and energy and information. Our digestion is electrical fermentation. Our gut bacteria is electric. Uh, our blood carries a charge, right? So you're like, oh, wow, like there is a whole electric current running through the body. And anything that has an electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. And it's this magnetic field that the term biofield is used to describe. It's sort of like the scientific word for aura or human energy field. And it's generally like I've kind of gone rogue and changed the definition to suit my own observations because I see the biofield as the electrical system in its entirety. You can't separate the magnetic field from the electric current. It's really one and the same. So if we're talking about the biofield, we're talking about the electricity that's beating your heart, that's making your brain waves work, that is basically your lights are on, right? When you're alive, your light is on. When you die, your light goes out. Your physical body is still there, but your electrical system has taken leave. And some people have even seen light come out of people's bodies when they die and they've actually weighed people and found that you lose just a little tiny bit of weight when you die because the electrical system, the electric body has mass. And this is something that I've observed working with it, that it actually has mass. So this uh, idea that, <clears throat> that we're electric and that electricity is the energy in energy medicine. I mean, it's really the same thing as chi. You know, when we're talking about chi, you're talking about the life force, the yin and the yang, it's like the positive and negative charge of electricity. And I think Chinese medicine has a much better understanding of the subtleties of it and how it works in the body. Whereas our chemical mechanical view of medicine has really eliminated the whole electrical system from the body and then taken energy medicine and like put it off in the realm of woo woo, like, oh, that subtle stuff, it isn't even there. It's your magnetic field. like. 
there's been devices around since the 50s called squid magnetometers that were able to are able to detect a magnetic field as far as 12 feet away from the body right so so this is all very simple and matter of fact and based in science we already know it's just that we're not taught about it and then it's the whole idea of it has become like taboo you know it's like oh that's that's that woo woo stuff um but it isn't you know it's just it's just how we're built and so i see the electrical system as a torus so basically it's a it's a bubble a plasma bubble with a with a double layer boundary membrane on the outside and that field extends around six feet around us and about two feet above and below and and energy circulates so we draw a negative charge up from the surface of the earth we draw positive charge from the atmosphere and the sun and these two currents spiral around like the ida and the pingala that's represented in the vedic representation it's just positive and negative electricity and then that circulates through the whole toroidal field and what i discovered was that our memories are stored in this electrical system right? and if you think about it everything we see smell hear touch taste feel experience is all an electrical impulse in the body so it would make sense that our history is stored in our electrical system and i would even go so far as to say that like our electrical system our plasma body our light body is the same thing as our soul and that our mm -hmm. memories get stored in it and get carried you know if you believe in reincarnation and karma then everything that's ever happened to you is stored in in your plasma body and then when you die um, go yeah you know no it's great um you know we always wonder how the birds you know return to the same place on the planet every season and you know all the animals migrate and it's an electrical recording that's what we call instinct yeah it's uh literally a recording and and that's how they do what they do you know people have the same innate quality only we get to be conscious about it if we choose so uh yeah with the toroidal field you know we talk about that a lot it's just electrical vectors one is compressing data the other simultaneously radiating data and they just create this uh, this self-renewing um, you know, little imagery that we call the body every single moment. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of, um, in my work, I do a lot of measuring that toroidal field and measuring the distortions and everything with different radius seizure procedures and everything. But, you know, we're, we're talking about resonance with, with um, what you bring to the table here. And if you look at the astral level, if we're talking about electricity still, that's that level of the ether uh, or uh, also corresponding with that level of our body where the emotional content, you know, creates a velocity so that things can really uh, uh, pick up enough steam to, you know, impact and manifest on the physical. And that corresponds with the uh, the sound or water or what we also call the number, you know, because that all has to do with uh, frequency, that level of the um, uh, the ether, you know, which has been conveniently omitted from science. So if we look at the uh, water element, that, that level of ether as the last level before precipitation into matter, it does everything by resonance, which uh, brings us back to electrical vectors because an electrical vector, of course, is nothing but a polarization. Like when you pluck on your guitar string, it vibrates, the polar the polarization creates a resistance, and then that resistance is what we you know, hear with our ears and what vibrates through our body. 
So bringing that back to tuning forks, uh, I haven't found an instrument really that works as good as tuning forks to be able to deliver specific frequencies right into not only the audible range, but also to vibrate through all those levels. So um, with that, tell us how you decided maybe to uh, uh, you know, develop some of your tuning forks and why they might be most important if people want to get into this. So the, that very first set that I got was called the Solar mm -hmm. Harmonic Spectrum. It was a C major scale. Mm -hmm. I used that set for about 15 years. Uh, there was at one point where I started to feel, and that this might have been in like maybe 2004, 2005, I started to feel like I needed a different set. And I didn't, I went online and there were so many sets at this point. And I, I just kind of closed my computer. I'm like, how do I know what to pick? Like, I don't know what ones to get. And then this is an absolute true story. The very next day I ran into a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a while. And she said to me, have you ever heard of Solfeggio tuning forks? I met somebody the other day that uses them. And I was like, hmm, no, I've actually never heard of them. A couple of days later, I had another friend reach out to me uh, via messenger and say, hey, I just saw this presentation about Solfeggio tuning forks. Have you ever heard of them? And I said, uh, well, yes, actually, I just heard of them the other day. And then the next day or the day after, I met a girlfriend for lunch. And we sit down at the table and she pulls this book out of her bag and puts it on the table. And she and it's called The Healing Codes for the Biological Apocalypse by Leonard Horowitz. And it's the story oh, of yeah. these Ophegio tones came into I being. know Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had three people uh, tell, you know, within just a few days bring up solfeggio three times and this turns out the solfeggio set is based in the number three three sixes and nines and so i was like okay universe i got it thanks for the clear signal i went out and i got the solfeggio set and uh that's a nine piece set and i immediately preferred it to the the c scale uh the tones are all really clear and bright and crystalline and intriguing um, and so I started using that in combination with the C scale. Uh, and I, I did this, I used the two of them for a while. And then after a while, the, the, the more I used the solfeggio, the more the C scale sounded sort of dull and dumb and muddy. And I just, I abandoned it completely. Uh, and so, oh, so I, I used the solfeggio forks, but then I went through this very curious experience when I was writing my book, when I was writing my first book, Tuning the Human Biofield. And I was uh, seeing clients. I had kids who were um, 13 and 16. You know, I had children to take care of. Uh, I was teaching classes and, um, and, you know, just like I had all these things going on and I wasn't getting to my writing. And what started to happen was the 174 hertz fork, which is my primary fork uh, for tuning. It's the lowest one in the, in that series um it it developed a buzz one day like it stopped it, it it stopped sounding good and started buzzing so i had it replaced well i ended up in this cycle where the first one um lasted for four months and then the next one for two months and then one month and then two weeks and then one week so i had to keep ordering them because they kept buzzing and then it got to the point <laughs> where every single time i picked up a fork to use it i blew it 
like it just I destroyed it. I became a fork killer. And the, what it forced me to do was to stop seeing clients because I couldn't, I couldn't keep destroying my forks every time I was doing a session. Like it didn't make any sense. Could not figure out what it was, was happening, like why I was doing it. Um, but, but what it did was it forced me to go home and to write my book. And in hindsight, I never would have been able to write the book if I had tried to write it while I was trying to see clients at the same time. So somehow subconsciously, I was able to destroy metal with my field. Like some part of me knew that the only way, cause I'm so stubborn. the only way that I would stop seeing clients is was if it became physically impossible. And so somehow I created that situation for myself. But I realized also that this process of field combing that we do in tuning, it's very different. Most people use tuning forks like right on the body or directly over the body, like I did for 15 years. Uh, but they don't comb through the field, finding areas of distortion that are representative of traumatic memories or difficult states of mind or emotions, right? So in the biofield tuning process, tuning forks go really distorted. And what it does is it puts a strain on the metal. Like metal fatigue is a real thing. Guitar strings wear out. Uh, what was happening was that this way of using tuning forks was straining them. And so I ended up working with my manufacturer, Minivibe, to create a better alloy that would stand up to this process. And so over the course of two years, he made me a bunch of forks in different ingredients of metal and different gauges. And I used all of them. And the one that lasted the longest out of all of them was the one that we started using. So all of my Solfeggio forks are made out of this special alloy, which is expensive. And I was like, well, if it's going to cost this much to have these high quality forks to do this work, I don't want to use all nine of this set. So I ended up picking just three of them. So the forks that we use in biofield tuning are the 174, the 417, and the 528. And I can sound each of these if you guys want to hear them. Just listen to them. So the 174 is like the primary. Sorry. Yeah. Go yeah. This is my workhorse. This is a 174. This is the uh -huh. fork that really um, reveals to me, like there's a whole pattern of vibrational language that the body speaks in. And what I actually discovered like animals and plants, like all of all of nature here on planet earth speaks the same vibrational language. And that's how your dog knows that you're not happy. <laughs> it's like we all read each other's vibes without words. And, and the tuning forks, enable me to read the vibrations that are present in the standing waves around the body. They're like an invisible ink decoder. And there's this whole like braille sonic language in the field um, that this particular fork really reveals in its overtones and undertones. For example, if we get into an area where somebody uh, is harboring the vibration of depression, it sounds uh, like the fork will go from being like, ah, to it gets in that zone. And it's like, uh, because those undertones are just, it's like making what is there and inaudible audible. It's really pretty wild. Uh, fear has like a pulsing quality. You can hear it. Do, 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 do. Um, anger, mm -hmm. you know, it sounds hot. It's just like, just like if we're listening to a sad song, like I don't need to tell you bear, like bear, this song is sad. 
right? You're gonna be like, duh, Eileen, like I can tell this song is sad, right? We just know, we resonate with that. And it's the same thing with the way that the tuning forks reveal uh, the emotions that we've generated that are in our memory bank, that are in our electrical system, stored in very specific, in a very specific anatomy and physiology. So for example, every time you feel sad, you generate a particular waveform and that gets stored in the part of your biofield off your left shoulder. So if you generate a lot of sadness that you don't express or discharge, you're gonna start having left shoulder pain. You're gonna start having issues with your left shoulder because you're piling up your magnetic field and electric charge in that area with all of those emotions that are getting stored there. So would the 174 be mostly diagnostic or does it itself have therapeutic value as far as starting to disperse those congestions? Well, a lot of forks can be used to disperse congestions, but one of the things that's happening in this model is that the tuning fork is acting in a number of different ways. It's acting as a mirror, right? Diagnostic. It's like, oh, here's an area of dissonance that we can hear and feel. And so I'm just going to keep activating the fork in this area of distortion. And what it does is it reflects back to the body that the body is. It's sort of like you don't know that your hair is a mess and you have a poppy seed in your teeth until you look in the mirror. Right. And what do you do? You fix your hair, you get the poppy seed out, right? You straighten yourself out when you have a reflection of your own dishevelment. <laughs> and our organizing intelligence is exactly the same way. As soon as the body hears that it's sharp or flat over here, it starts working with that input immediately to adjust itself mm -hmm. so that it hears itself as harmonious. So it acts as a mirror. It acts as a metronome because it has a steady, coherent rhythm. So the body can balance its own rhythms against it, right? Because we're rhythmic, we're tonal. And we, we get mm -hmm. out of tune, we get sharp or flat or off rhythm or off balance. So, so the body, mm -hmm. I, like I'm not healing you. I'm just a technician finding where you have distortion in your field, reflecting that back to you, and your conscious mind doesn't have anything to do with it. Your subconscious mind uses that input to basically auto-tune. Um, and then it acts like a magnet because any place where we have distortion and we have a traumatic memory, there's usually an accumulation of energy. We call it biophotons in, in biofield tuning that light is trapped there. That's your consciousness, your potential, your overall, you know, battery energy is sort of frozen off in this memory. It's the same idea in shamanism that when you have a trauma, a bit of the soul breaks off, right? And what does the shaman do but go and retrieve that bit of soul and bring it back to the body, then blow it or place it back in the body. So when I first started working in the field and discovering that these, I'm like, wow, this is like sonic soul retrieval. I'm like finding bits of you know, that you left behind in childhood and actually liberating that light and using the fork like a magnet to guide it back into the central channel of the Taurus and back into circulation and flow. So the tuning fork is acting in a lot of different capacities there. It's also kind of breaking up that area of charge because sometimes even I'll come across, you can have scar tissue in the body, you can have scar tissue in, in your magnetic body too. And so there's certain areas where we really have to kind of work it, work it out to get it to release. Mm -hmm. Um, so the tuning fork, you know, becomes like, then it becomes like a comb, you know, you're just kind of grooming the field and getting everything in order. 
Is this why uh, back in the day with the origination of the Sofeggio, I know it goes back to biblical times, but the monks, of course, were famous for chanting in these in these sort of frequencies. And this was a way that they could communicate and heal each other or heal themselves through this chanting, right? So really it's it's interesting how I, I have questions about how consciousness plays into this because consciousness is where everything comes from. And so really what we're talking about here is the emanation of consciousness through these frequencies, right? So I always wonder like what we did yesterday, which we'll talk about a little bit later, Eileen, but the effect of the person behind the tuning fork, the consciousness emanating through the frequencies, doing the work beyond the frequencies itself. And I'm curious if you have um, had different experiences depending on who the actual practitioner is. And maybe I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but in tunes with using the fork themselves, uh, because for what I, I see these as carrier waves for consciousness itself. So what is your opinion on that? And then also when using like, here I have your sonic slider, which is badass. So when I'm using the sonic slider, is does intention matter? Putting my intention into it um, and using that as a carrier through my, like we were talking about yesterday, working on my bone spurs and my, uh, in my uh, wrist here, using it through my fingers and such. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, intention definitely makes a difference. Uh, Sound is a carrier wave of of consciousness and intention. And, you know, when I first invented the sonic slider, um, I, I have one here too. I invented it uh, for another shallow vein thing. Um, <laughs> I, I created it for anti-aging. You know, I was starting to look like Clint Eastwood because I'm always frowning at things being stupid or whatever. And so I was like, oh God, you know, I'm getting older and that's really showing up. So I invented the sonic slider uh, as a tool to um, basically rejuvenate my face to relax the lines on it. But then I discovered that when you look better, you really feel better. I mean, they really do go hand in hand. And if you have a lousy day and you get home and you look in the mirror and you're all like, and then you just hang out and like iron your face. And then you're like, oh, I, I feel so much better now because re our face really does carry our emotions. Um, but then I decided to see what would happen if I used it on my body and in, uh, just the end of December in 2018, um, I started using it on my body by activating it and by sliding it. So this has an extra long handle. And I started just spending like 10 minutes a day, uh, basically the way that you dry brush where you go towards your heart. Um, and I, I did it with the, with the intention. What I was saying was, I have the body of a teenager. Now, this is not what I'm recommending that everybody use. It's just what came to me. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Well, I had a very remarkable experience of losing a whole bunch of weight really quickly with the sonic slider. I went from being a size medium to a size extra small um, in just five weeks. And uh, my husband said, um, my wife hit menopause and suddenly developed the body of a teenager, said no matter. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. And people started looking at me and saying, you look like a teenager. And I was like, my intention is working. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was really weird. Well, manifestation, uh, right? We're talking about manifestation, which comes down to geometry, comes down to a conscious and attention. And really, that's the other 
you know, aspect of the science behind this is the geometry, the Sofegios 369, of course, represents the Trinity, represents, um, you know, the core aspects of the divine. And so we're playing with these this geometry. And I Bear, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this, on the Sofegio more, because I'm fascinated by the Sofegio, have for years as a Reformed Catholic, uh, growing up in, uh, uh, you know, with the organ, Sofegio tunes and the chanting and singing. Um, so there's some sort of geometry at play here, right, that's connecting us to the divine. And then when we use our consciousness with manifestation, this is just an amazing tool to, to allow uh, that manifestation to come forth in the denser realms of our physicality quicker, is how I see it. Oh, and by the yeah. way, I put on my electric universe hat just as an homage to you today this is our alphabetic electric universe hat i, I had to throw that on i want one i gotta have one of those <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i want to come back to to talking so, more about works because you were asking me what ones i used right and so we're talking about the solfeggio the 369 but the sonic slider isn't based in that the sonic slider is based in the schumann resonance so I have I have forks based in the solfeggio scale. I have fake forks based in the Schumann resonance, and I have forks based in the Fibonacci sequence. So I've got I've got an assortment that we're drawing from, and the Schumann forks and the Fibonacci forks are my own creations. They're they're ones that I had the prototypes made and then started to make and distribute them. Um, but the the sonic slider is so I'm, imagine a lot of people in the audience know what the Schumann resonance is, but it's the background pulse of the electromagnetic field of the earth and it's around 7.83 hertz uh, but it fluctuates and that's our brain waves when we're in an alpha state right when we're kind of meditating and being aware of reality beyond just the immediate self kind of connection to hence uh hence alpha vedic by the way okay yeah wait explain that to me well, that was one of the uh, uh, impetuses behind the name Alpha Vedic was that this concept of being in an alpha state and then connecting, that's a West, very much a Western science kind of innovation or thinking, and then Vedic being the ancient Vedic, so East meets West. Uh, and then we just spelled it weird because we're weird. So, but that, <laughs> but that is, uh, that is the emanation of where Alpha Vedic came from was the alpha state with the ancient Vedics right there. I mean, and it's just a cool name. Yeah, it is cool. So I mean, um, yeah. Eileen, if, if I may uh, hold hold the thought about Fibonacci and Schumann, because we want to get into that um, real quick. You know, with the adipose, if somebody's carrying extra weight, that's actually an electrical phenomenon. Uh, there's a chemical reaction that is uh, in the interplay between sodium and water, and that creates a whole kind of cascading reaction so that the body accumulates adipose in order to insulate against electrical stress. And of course, the stress comes from all parts of our being. And that's why, you know, a lot of people, they'll be on diets and they can't lose weight. And that some people eat whatever the heck they want. They stay skinny. But anyway, it's an electrical phenomena in order to insulate against stress. And so since it begins on that level, it makes perfect sense to me that your slider, when you're going in there with the resonance directly into those areas, it's going to create, you know, the reverse chain reaction where there's, you know, and bring harmony where the dissonance was and therefore no longer a need to uh, carry the insulation. So you can start shedding weight. So I just wanted to add that because a lot of this, you know, again, when you connect all the dots, it makes perfect sense. And it's not just some mystical thing like, oh, I lost some weight because I did this. I also want to know a little bit 
um, about the, what do you call it? The, the boot on the end, the sonic boot, but go ahead uh, with your thoughts on where you're going with the tuning forks and then we can get into the accessories as well. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> so the very first uh, custom fork I made was the eighth harmonic of the Schumann resonance 7.83 times eight uh, 62.64. And when I got that fork and I started using it, I was like, this is like the cool cat of tuning forks. Cause you know how some cats are just ordinary cats, but other cats are like really cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so there was just something about that fork that was, it was more intelligent. I felt like it would go in the body wherever it needed to. Other forks are kind of dumb. You just put it on, it kind of vibrates right there. But this one seemed to have intelligence and it seemed to like go in and be like, Oh, where, where do I need to go? And, uh, and so I used that for a while, really liked it, decided that I wanted to create a binaural beat of the Schumann resonance. So I had the seventh harmonic made 54.81. And those two, when you use them together, I call them the Schumann pair, uh, whether you're listening to them in your ears and getting kind of an acoustic brainwave entrainment into that alpha state, um, or on the body, uh, basically it supports the electrical um, harmony and and harmonic relationship to our environment. Um, and then then I wanted to create a, this fork for self care. So I actually had every single other harmonic made ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. I think that's as far as I went. And, uh, and the 11th and 13th were horrible. They were like, you know, it's not just like, I tend to say the frequency doesn't really matter. And yet it really does because the 12th harmonic. So the sonic slider is 7.83 times 12. It's 93.96 Hertz. And it's kind of, it was kind of like Goldilocks and three bears. It was like the 11th is horrible, the 13th is horrible. And the 12th is just right. And I knew the moment that I activated this prototype and put it on myself that I had found what I was looking for. I was in something that was universally pleasing, that was relaxing, that the body welcomed in. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's a favorite. People really, really love this work. What was the Hertz again? 93.96. A lot of threes there. A lot yeah, of threes, right. a lot of Trinity. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, and that's and it's the 12th harmonic of the Schumann. Yeah. yeah. Which is also right. A three. So, um, so that and then then the next one that I created was uh, what I call the Fibonacci pair. So I wanted to work with um, the etheric body, the geometric template that underlies us. And obviously we're informed by phi, the golden mean, the golden ratio. So I realized that if I created forks that were part of the Fibonacci sequence, that that phi ratio would be embedded in um, in a pair. And so this is 89 Hertz and 144 Hertz. So they're the 11th and 12th positions in the Fibonacci sequence. And, uh, and when, you, when you activate them, you do end up with this sort of information of, of five, of that, that ratio, uh, which- 1.6. Really, 1. Really, 1. Yeah, 1.614. Not to be confused mm -hmm. with pi, right? 3.14. Um, so, these are super useful just for helping the geometry of the body like find its order. It's a it's a really um, useful pair to use on the body in that way. And then the most recent one I created because I was so intrigued by this 144 weighted fork. There's just something about this that is really efficient and effective and useful. And that's my jam. Like if something's efficient, I'm all about it. 
Uh, so I decided to see what 144 would be like unweighted and I had one of these prototypes made and this fork is so powerful. So one of the things I found was after COVID when people started taking the medicine that their fields got stiffer and harder to work with and that the 174 which had always been a useful fork for like getting in there and busting stuff up was not feeling up to the job. And, and I was like, I need something that's got more nut that's going to go in there and crack that and like get people's fields to engage. And so this fork, the 144 is a really like it, it does it, it does the trick. It gets in there, it resonates with whatever is distorted. It's pretty uncompromising. You know, it's a, it's a super, super effective frequency that I've really been loving. I used it on mic yesterday and, um, and yeah, so that's it. The the three Schumann forks, the Schumann pair and the Sonic slider, and then the Fibonacci pair, and then the um, Fibonacci unweighted, and then the three Solfeggio. Those are the only forks I use. Awesome. So um, you did a great job explaining the 174 is not just diagnostic, but doing a lot of other things. So then the secondary one, the 528, um, yeah, how do you... They're all diagnostic and all therapeutic. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, you mm -hmm. can use any fork to find an area in the field that's stuck, that's heavy, mm -hmm. that's distorted. Mm -hmm. You can use any fork therapeutically because the body will use that mirror metronome magnet thing in all of them. But mm -hmm. what I tend to do, like I tend to like, if I'm gonna go through the field, cause we can use weighted forks in the field too. So if mm -hmm. I'm gonna go through the field with a weighted fork, I would say, okay, I'm going through with coarse grit sandpaper. And then I'm gonna come through with the 174 and this is like medium grit sandpaper. And then I'm gonna come through mm -hmm. with the 528 and this is like fine grit sandpaper. This is more polishing, brightening, like finishing. Yeah. You know, a, another um, interesting thing is in the field of radiesthesia, um, I'll go in with different instruments and use tuning forks uh, when a person might be 2,000 miles away. Uh, for instance, like in biogeometry, you can use a human archetype uh, ruler. That's not the only instrument, but it's a great one. And you can actually tune in people by way of their geometry from afar and diagnose, you know, different planes, subplanes, and distortions. And one of my favorite things is to use the tuning forks when you get on that little beam and you can actually uh of course when you understand when you get in those subplanes above just the physical and etheric there is no time and distance right. so you can actually make amazing changes in a person's body when they aren't even there uh, you ever play around with that I mean, yeah, you know, Mike and I were talking about mm -hmm. this yesterday because I did mm -hmm. a distance session on Mike yesterday and mm -hmm. people asked me for years if I could do this work at a distance. And I always was like, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> like I couldn't even believe people would ask me. And I was so arrogant about like my no-ness. Um, but then Dr. Carl Merritt wrote the foreword to my first book. And he's a, an MD who had an office, still has an office in Aptos, California. And he went through my master's thesis with me, like page by page to make sure mm -hmm. that it was all really solid. And then he asked me if I wanted to try to do a distance session on him. And, you know, I am a scientist, I am a researcher, I do love experiments. And even though I was convinced that it was dumb, uh, I decided to do it anyway. 
And so when somebody comes into my office and they lie down on my table, um, at that time, I had a practice of going through their whole field. So I'd start the field with their left foot and I'd like adjust every single energy center and make my way around. And I would read every, their whole history. It's like opening the book of you and I can read it and I can tell you everything that's going on. But we didn't have an open line of communication. So we were just connecting by intention. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to pretend he's on the table. And I went and I started working on him. And much to my amazement, the patterns of information and sound and texture that I find around human bodies was there around my empty table. And so I went through his whole field. I took notes. And uh, when I got done, um, I called him and I read in my notes and I was like, okay, you know, you had stress at these ages, this age, you, your mother's personality is this, your father's personality is that, you have inflammation in this area, this organ isn't working quite properly, you had a head injury at five, da 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 and I told him all these things and he was like, Eileen, that is all exactly right and I feel different, like I felt you working on me, I feel lighter now, I'm definitely noticing a state change and I was like, get out of town. Like I had to eat crow. I feel like I was wrong. I can't do this at a distance. Like I, I really couldn't believe it. So then the next ones that I started to do, I did with no open line of communication. Now I'd already learned quite a lot of the language of vibration that was in the field, but without somebody there to say, mm, what happened when you were 13? Did you, were you in a car accident? Like I, I had to listen even more deeply and learn to tease out the nuances of these sounds. Like I could tell if somebody went through a breakup, if they went through a move, if they'd been in a car accident, if they'd suffered some kind of betrayal, like all of these experiences and our responses to them have very specific vibrational signatures that I have learned to identify. And so that practice of working without the body there made me learn the language even more deeply. And I found that in some cases, the therapeutic outcomes I was getting at a distance were, um, were bigger because we didn't have the distraction of being together. Um, and then, so crazy. And, yeah, it's crazy. It's, you know, really. Well, that's, that's true. Yeah. When, yeah. when you're doing distance, like with biogeometry, it's much more powerful when the person isn't there because you don't have that distortion, uh, you know, the energy fields of practitioner in person, you know, there's, um, I love the tuning forks too, the way you're explaining them, because, you know, it's, they really become uh, like an amplification of the senses. There's uh, an osteopathic training I did a long time ago and um, at very advanced levels of it's called visceral manipulation. You sequentially teach yourself or the teacher, you know, assist you in learning how to read energy fields and not only be able to discern with your hands on a body, the characteristics of an emotional or mental plane issue and be able to, uh, you know, diagnose that very accurately, but also date it as far as, you know, a, a particular timeline within a person's, uh, you know, lifetime. So, um, you know, people just need to understand all of this is actually possible with our own sensory apparatus, but it takes a lot of training and not everybody's, you know, willing to do that kind of work. Now, when, you know, we're applying the acoustics, now you have, you know, actually an audible feedback uh, mechanism. So I, I think it's brilliant. On the 144 too, I, I was just playing with the numbers. I don't know if you guys know about 5,040, but it's an extremely important cosmic number. It's uh, uh, all seven polygons degrees added up 
uh, lead to that. Um, one uh, time, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If you multiply those, it leads to that and same through seven through 10. So it relates to the septenary cipher and seven. So anyways, I divided 144 into that and it was even 35 times into that. So oh, interesting. There's, cool. Yeah. So there's something going on there and maybe to look into. Well, deeper. that's why. That's why the sound level of the ether, the water portion, as it's called, that first fixed element is also named the number uh, level of the ether. So sound, water, number, it's it's all one of the same. And it, as I said before, it connotes the resonance. That's where when you go back in, you know, to the Chinese musicologist centuries ago, and he found that different bamboo lanes would actually create different frequencies when you you know, blow through them like a flute. And uh, the one that they created as the center of their whole elemental chart they found was the F sharp, which was the earth element. And it was exactly, if you cut that bamboo 81 fen, you know, fen would be like their uh, unit of measurement back then, 81 being the square of nine, uh, you know, and then each of the different elements would also be a very exact number that made perfect sense in the cosmogony of resonance, which uh, we talk a lot about that people like Walter Russell figured out the same numbers, Tesla, he, you know, the same thing. So when you get these units of measurement in certain numbers, they create a resonance, biogeometry, the same thing. You know, when we're creating planting beds out here and I create beds with rocks, we do numbers of rocks to create resonance. So, um, you know, this it's great, you know, because we live in a time where not only are these ancient understandings becoming uh, known, uh, but they're being made available for practical application. And we're also realizing it's not metaphysics anymore. It's actually pure physics. So, um, so great. you mentioned the ether and the etheric bodies and going back to the um, going over Zoom yesterday, Eileen, obviously, um, time and space are uh, just another concept that we get stuck in. But really, um, you showed proved to me yesterday <laughs> that you could definitely cross time and or especially space um with your uh with the tuning forks and it was quite amazing bear and i i know i related a little bit to you yesterday but the fact that during the process how i was definitely going through some emotions and and uh, had the spinning effect and you were feeling the spinning effect and i was getting nauseous and you were feeling that too and you were actually burping eileen <laughs> I do that sometimes as part of a release. I never used to for years. And I would have students that would burp when they were releasing. I was like, oh, how unfortunate for you. <laughs> and just in the last few years, it started to happen for me, right? But there was that moment where we were both really nauseous. And I was like, whoa, I'm really nauseous. I was like, whoa. But me, I, my own body becomes like a resonant instrument of healing too. So whatever I discharge out of myself while I'm working is also resonant with you. Yes. Yes, it was it was a, a really novel experience and I'm still kind of buzzing off it. And it really was a, this might seem um, you know, uh a little over whatever I'm saying here, but uh it was life-changing. It really was. Like it, I feel like I broke through some some major stuff yesterday that was crystallized deep in my physiology that um I was aware of, but hadn't really totally gone through. And uh 
Yeah. So this is a protocol that I think everybody should take advantage of. And of course, the beautiful thing is obviously going to a practitioner like yourself or like Bear uh, is important, but you can do it to yourself, which I think is very, very cool. Yeah. Well, so, like one of the things that I showed you yesterday, right, because you were talking about how you're on your computer so much mm -hmm. and your hands are getting tired and messed up. And, you know, I have two sons, young men who have always been gamers and they pretty much ruined their hands and wrists when they were under 20 years old. And so with them, I came up with a protocol with the sonic slider uh, to, to work the hands and the wrists and, you know, to get to get it all straightened out. So this has practical applications for simple problems like that. But also, you know, it was really interesting working with you, Mike, because really just in the, the second strike of the teen fork, I could hear this wah, 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 this pattern uh, that I know is if somebody has taken a tumble or repeated tumbles, right? And in the course of doing our session, we, I don't know, there were like seven or eight different experiences that you had had of that kind of endo experience. And it was just patterned into your being. Um, and so, you know, so we can work on simple mundane things like hands and wrists, but we can also go back to patterns that were formed under the age of three that you don't have any cognitive memory of and yet are acting so strongly uh, subconsciously in your electrical system. Yeah, I literally was jumping on a bed and fell down the stairs when I was two, broke my collarbone. And that uh, kind of catapulted me into a life of tumbling, concussions, accidents like that. And I think it all went back to uh, my birth where I was pulled out by forceps because I was coming out the wrong way. And that probably goes back to previous lives. And we even touched a little bit on that. You saw kind of this thread of my light. And I don't know if you want to touch on light because light is also very important. And I know Bear and I, we talk about the seven rays and the connection of the chakras. Of course, each have their own light and the chakras are supposed to be like these spinning, spinning wheels, according to the Eastern mythos. So there's a lot to cover here. There's like, this is amazing integration of everything all in the true science of through the tuning forks. Um, but yeah, the, the light thing was really interesting as well, Eileen, what you noticed with me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that I love about this work um, is that it gives me glimpses into people's souls. It lets me really listen to and hear and see who people really are at their core. And, you know, everybody at their core is beautiful, is brilliant, is amazing. I mean, this has been my experience. Maybe there are people out there that aren't that way, but I've never had a person come across my treatment table in person or virtually who, when I really saw into their being um, and reflected back to them, I'd be like, oh my God, you're so beautiful and you're so amazing in this way. People always kind of shyly say to me like, I knew that, right? Because we all do have a sense of our own greatness, but we, there's a lot of things in our culture that like, oh, I don't want to be grandiose or egotistical or, you know, <laughs> and a lot of times when you're growing up, very few people look into your soul and say, I see you, right? So, so there, we don't always get acknowledgement of what we are. So then we don't necessarily believe in ourselves because other people aren't seeing it. So, 
and and everybody's soul signature is different so when i was working with mike i noticed that his energy is very uh it's very silver white where a lot of people's is more gold white or i might see different colors i don't see colors like donna eden sees colors but when i'm working i kind of get an inner sense of light and an inner sense of flow and i got i got very much a sense of him as like um like a Socrates kind of character, you know, like a, a classic philosopher. Um, there's something very noble and like he's been around doing this for a long time in a lot of different lifetimes. Um, and so when we remove the distortions from the electrical system and the bindings that end up in the physiology as a consequence, we start to loosen those bindings. Then there's more role for like our soul, our essence, um, the fullness of who we are to kind of expand out into greater expression and greater beingness. And so, you know, many people are trapped in their pain bodies for various reasons, your physical pain body, emotional, mental, we all have these twists and distortions and bindings. But as we start to loosen those and relax, we enter into a flow state and we become more naturally who we are. We, we grow into our potential energetically. And that is light. It is light. You know, when we are radiant, we have radiant health. It's because we have high voltage. It's because a lot of our electric body is present and flowing. It's not all hung up and stuck in our biofield in various places, but rather it's integrated and expressed. Also, um, from a practitioner standpoint, you can very much understand what we think of as pathology and how that pathology is created by a distortion and resonance. For instance, if you go into the Eurythmy kind of system with Rudolf Steiner, you know, and he's talking about moving through the seven rays and uh, the different octaves that are associated with it, you know, humanity right now is on the fourth ray, which is uh, uh, harmony through conflict, you know, and we see a lot of that going on on the planet. But individually at the soul level, we're all at different places. So for instance, if um, our resonance is stuck at that level, then the normal growth processes that would just maintain our regenerative self, which would keep us going, you know, in youth and beauty forever, uh, then those growth processes are then distorted and put back into the physical etheric realm. And then you start growing things, you know, that we call cancers. You start. So anyway, uh, we could go in and do a whole taxonomy of disease and explain exactly how each distortion creates a different pathology as a medic would think about it. But the point is, is when you understand these things, then you can use the musical scales in order to help and like Steiner did even through dance and motion and and different ways of playing out with music and with hand gestures and and so forth body gestures you can uh, uh open up those channels and then move through the octave so the energy isn't stuck in those octaves that are creating say a growth in an inappropriate place and i've seen it with my own eyes many many times with people i work with where you know things just go away and it's all a matter of this inner resonance just being unleashed like Mike's talking about uh, and what you're talking about. So it's, um, yeah, it is the future of medicine. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, have you uh, uh, ever worked with tuning forks with just the individual keynotes, you know, like just a normal pentonic scale, or do you kind of favor more towards, you know, what you're talking about with the, you know, like Schumann residence, Fibonacci, what we call the golden mean and so forth. Um, any experience in those levels? Just want to get your feedback. 
yeah, I mean, I've used over the years mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. different, you know, I've borrowed mm -hmm. sets of friends and I've used different mm -hmm. ones. Um, but kind of come back to like the ones that I have, I mean, mm -hmm. I would say I've used a couple hundred different kinds of forks over the years. Um, mm -hmm. but the ones that I've kind of whittled down to are the ones that I find just to be the most useful. And that doesn't mean that other ones aren't, you know, it's just that just for my own application mm -hmm. and my own experimentation, that these mm -hmm. kind of are, you know, the, the palette that d is sufficient to do what I want to do. Yeah. And, um, I think the important thing to understand for everybody is that there's a tremendous versatility with tuning forks. Um, you know, my main use has always been through acupuncture. So I'll use the, the Chinese pentonic scale and, and the elements, uh, the keynotes that correspond to the elements. And then if we want to sedate or um, stimulate something, we'll create fifths or thirds, uh, respectively. You'll have... Um, you know, you know, the command points, you do your typical meridian diagnostics and you do distal and, you know, central local points and, and then, you know, use the command points and elements, uh, you know, related to each of the command points and those you go into specific keynotes, but then you also know that the, in the keynotes, those are just the outer crude acoustics and the real harmonics that resonate on that level that we're talking about to create the change on the astral. Uh, you know, are the are the inaudible stuff in between, just like the transitional elements, you know, with the keynotes on the periodic table, all the good stuff's in between. So it's all about those harmonics that are actually resonating on a different level. So, um, yeah, there's just so much uh, use and so much, you know, yet to discover. So tell me with your courses, uh, and I know you have great courses, I, I'd like to jump into some of them myself. Um, how easy is this for the average person, say that's just a lay person, to pick up this and actually start making some use of it? Well, you know, it's really funny. Um, my my very first group of students, uh, I was I was working on my master's in education degree, and I wasn't ready to start teaching. But I had a mm -hmm. group of clients who kind of bullied me into teaching them the first class back in 2010, and I told one of my brothers that. I was going to be teaching this class and he said, well, can you teach what you do? And I said, well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to find out, you know, and what I found out was that I could teach it and I could actually teach it very easily um, because it's a very simple practice. I mean, biofield tuning is basically activating a tuning fork, starting six feet away from somebody and slowly walking in towards their body with a vibrating fork. When you hit an area where you feel resistance and you can feel it, like everybody, I mean, there are some people, there are a very small percentage of people who might have very strong thoughts that they can't do it and they'll get in their own way. But if you can quiet your mind and kind of open up your senses, moving along, you're like, whoa, I'm stuck here. Like I'm being grabbed and, the, and it feels different. It's vibrating different in my fingers. Like it's and I can't get through here. So all you do is you hang out until it settles down and you can get through and you just keep going to the next spot. And I'm like, oh, here's another one. And then the body will resolve it. And then you've kind of created what I call a pile of photons and you just bring those and you drop them in the midline. And so it's, it's really just kind of click, drag and drop the whole way through, get it to the midline, integrate it. And then we focus it. We do what I call columning where we go away from the body. So biofield tuning is simply voop, voop. 
And that's it. And so people are always like, well, what do you do to treat this? And what do you do to treat that? And what do you do to treat this? And I'm like, whoop, whoop, that's what you do. Like it couldn't be any simpler. Um, so anybody can learn it. And, and you know, the, the language, like I'm able to really tease out deeply the language, but I, you know, I have practitioners who've been working for years. And if I get worked on, uh, you know, I have 10 teachers who teach our certificate course and getting worked on by any one of my teachers is like being worked on by myself. Like they've all learned the language, come to understand the nuances. Um, it's just like if we were to drop you in a foreign country, you know, you wouldn't understand anything at first, but in pretty short order, you'd be like, oh, that sound is that. And this sound is this. And those sounds strung together is this. So there's just a whole language of vibration. Um, some people learn it more readily than others, but some people learn languages more readily than others. So, um, so it's, it's a pretty easy practice and you can do it on yourself. You can do it on your own hologram, basically just like imagine that you are on that table or that bed, just like I did with Carl that first day, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm pretending he's there. And, you know, some people like to get really elaborate and like lay out maps and crystals and, you know, I don't like I'm such a minimalist, like I don't won't take a single action if it's not necessary. I'm very, very efficiency oriented. And this is an incredibly efficient practice um, because it gets right in. You find immediately like what what's the body got going on? Like I could tell with Mike right away within a minute that he had had one or more tumbles. You know, it was just we got right into the core issue in his system, which was that his his memory bank had all of these experiences of tumbling in it. And so it was that that vibration, that experience of tumbling is running all the time in his system. It's a core issue that very few people would ever be able to diagnose. But I could hear it in the second strike of the fork that that's what was going on. And so just tuning into that and uh, giving the body that reflection, like basically all we did was just sit there and let's listen to the fork and see what happens. It was cool too. Body- it was cool too, because um, towards the, the end, I could start hearing it. I could start hearing um, the different distortions when we were going from the top down, especially. And um, it was really trippy, like hearing it resolve itself right on the second toning. Once I, realized that I was like, oh, well, it's cleared up. And I was getting this crazy, I was calling it like a Kundalini charge. Um, but it was just this crazy electrical, like energetic charge coming up through my, from my base chakra all the way up through my crown. And then as we were visualizing that light coming down, um, it really started to get just super solid in terms of my, um, I don't know, my resolve and comfort knowing all is good. And I'm a light being and, and, uh, you know, that past stuff is, uh, worth uh, letting go now. So it was, um, a truly therapeutic, not only was it, uh, did it awaken a lot of, um, subconscious stuff that I'd forgotten about, but it was very therapeutic in the end. Definitely. I think it's, uh, real important for people to understand too, when you go into the self-help realm of this and a lot of the things you're teaching, it's not a matter of uh, thinking you have to be an expert or that there's any right or wrong. What you're doing is opening the door to an inner communication. And what you're communicating with is a living intelligence that uh, is putting those thoughts to grow that awareness in the first place. So it's always a step ahead. And just the fact that we are willing to open that door and start experimenting on that level, not only will the expertise grow over time, you know, the more you do it, but just those little baby steps are going to create, in my experience with all sorts of things, um, it's going to create immense changes 
just for the fact that you are willing to go in there, start that dialogue, or just, uh, you know, acknowledge that there's a dialogue to be had with an inner intelligence in the first place. So, um, you, know, you know, it's just uh, tremendous work. I'd encourage anybody, you know, to do that. And that's why I loved your courses when I was looking at them online. Um, well, uh, Chance explain- is, real quick, Chance is in the, Chance Garten's in the chat and he said, anyone can learn this. I taught myself after reading her books. So. Yeah, I mean, the information is in the book, like in the book, it's just a chapter. Some people complain about doing the human biofield because it was like, there's very little instruction. I'm like, it's a really simple process. Like, I don't, you don't need to have tons of instruction. I actually had to spend all these chapters framing this entirely new cosmology that this model fits in. Because because biofield tuning doesn't work in the world of solid, liquid, and gas. I had to add in two more states of matter, plasma and ether, in order for what was going on in this practice to make sense. So I have to frame this entirely new cosmology before I lead you into how to do it. And um, and so the, the actual practice is, it's just very, very simple and anyone can do it. And like anything, you get better with experience. You know, when a doctor puts a stethoscope on somebody for the first time, they can't tell the difference between whether something's bronchitis or whether something is pneumonia. But in time with exposure and experience, you're like, oh, that sound is that, that sound is that, that sound is that. And you don't even really need to know. I mean, the practitioner does not even need to identify what they're encountering. You know, I like to give a running dialogue because I'm, I love words and I love stories. And so for me, the story about what's going on is important, but it isn't necessary in order for the body to use the input to correct itself. All the practitioner needs to do is to know when to stop in the field and then when to start up again. And and that's just a matter of like like fingertips. It's like, oh, the, the resistance is gone. But some people don't hear the changes for a little while. Like not everybody learns to identify like, ah, is alarm or is sphere or, you know, the different, the different subtleties. Um, but everybody can feel in their fingers when the vibration changes when the vibration has resolved so it it's it can be learned by anybody it can be done yourself it can be done on on pets we've done a lot of work with like dogs that are afraid of fireworks and that sort of thing i love working on dogs because they're such good patients so they like I, i worked on a dog just the other day in the dog park and uh you know it's one of those dogs that freaks out at fireworks and um there was a lot of trauma in the field like they were adopted and so there was early trauma out of the outer boundary of the field like a whole bunch of this going on right and we experience life through the lens of our own field so if we had experiences that were traumatic and made us shake that's going on like your memories don't go away the, those inputs and that response to those inputs live on in our field. And so if you're already traumatized and anxious, loud noises are gonna set you off. Um, so this particular dog, as I'm working in the outer edge of its field, I just had my sonic slider with me. That was it, just a weighted fork. And uh, he started to snort and snuffle and like sneeze and then shook when I was done. Uh, and then they'll go and they'll get water right away. You know, like they just, they do the right thing. They, they respond really appropriately to the intervention. Kids and animals are the best. They're the easiest. They're just, uh, there's just less stuff in the way. And, uh, you know, for people that can't feel as readily, you know, maybe don't have that uh, sensitivity as close to the surface, 
just doing some of these frequencies with your tuning forks, you know, in a general sense is going to open that up and help them develop that sensitivity. So could you tell me since I bought one yesterday, uh, a little bit more about the Sonic Boost? Oh yeah, the um, the boots. So mm -hmm. I invented a Boot. couple of different um, accessories to go on. I'll just go in order. I'm, I'm missing one of them at the moment, but um, one of the things that people make for uh, team forks are what they call gem feet, which is like a little boot like this, except it's got an embedded rose quartz mm -hmm. or um, you know regular quartz, different kinds of stones. And so I had gotten some of those and was trying to figure out if I could tell like, okay, is this the amethyst or is this the rose quartz? And I couldn't tell. And I'm pretty sensitive to crystals and stones. Like uh, my homeopath discovered years ago when I was in like 28, that he could hand me any vial of a homeopathic remedy and I could tell him what the vibrational quality was just by feeling it. I'm extremely sensitive to subtle vibrational information, but I couldn't tell with the gem feet. So, and they're expensive. They're like 90 bucks or more. So I decided to make an, an attachment that was like a gem foot, but that was just stainless steel, uh, just to give extra um, surface area, right? And so this one's really nice to use on the face or to, to use two like on either side of a joint, right? So that this is called the contour boot. And then we created uh, what's called the circuit boot. And this one has these little divots in it. So it's got 16 divots. And it just, these screw on to the end of the handle, a little inset screw and an Allen wrench. And this is very much an amplifier. So when you activate the tuning fork and you put it on yourself, the sound is spread out and it's amplified. So it really, really strengthens the current of what you're feeling. And um, just super useful. Like it just, it just feels really good. You can, you can slide this on yourself, you know, or you can, you can still slide the handle if you want. And then the third thing we created was a sleeve that's a handle extender that makes the handle like long and big and easy to hold. And that's nice. You can like heat it up under hot running water, and then you've got this sort of nice warm surface to slide with. It also makes it easy to kind of get into things like knots on yourself. Um, this is super yeah, I got that useful. one too. Yeah, super useful for um, massage therapists, any kind of body worker, uh, or even somebody who's like a counselor. You have people coming in who are anxious. Just hand them the sonic slider, show them how to how to put it on themselves. It's, I have um I have a nurse in an emergency room uh, who everybody in the emergency room lines up. They line up for their five minutes with the sonic slider. You know the the doctors and the nurses because it's. It's sort of, it gets you to relax, to drop in, to take a breath. It's grounding, right? Just the whole purpose yeah. of sound healing is to bring us into like a relaxed, aware presence, you know, to just show I, up I got the, and yeah. be groovy. You know, this is what, what the, it's all about. Music, all the sound healing, the chanting, the bells, the gongs, the bowls. It's all about like, just come into this moment in a regulated state. Everything's okay. All is well. I'm not freaking out about anything and it's okay to be fully present right so that's the aim and and mm -hmm. just as something as simple as just hanging out with this for a couple of minutes gets you to drop into that state yeah i got the handle it looks like it might be handy for trigger points and things you know trigger points i've integrated a lot in you know early on with the work of travel and those folks and uh integrated that in with uh meridian therapy because it's more of a myofascial approach so 
uh, just being able to deliver the the sonics, you know, while you're working at trigger points and everything seemed like it might be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've every massage therapist that I work with regularly, I've brought them a, a boot and a, um, or a handle mm -hmm. extender and a sonic slider. Yeah. And it feels so good uh, to have them work on me. An another easy tip um, is to do what I call a spine slide. So where you, mm -hmm. you take it and you can do it with the handle extender or the boot, you definitely need an attachment. You can't really do it with just the regular handle. Um, and you start at the occipit ridge at the atlas bone and you slide the tuning fork along the spine and you can tell when you hit vertebrae that are not in, in resonance. They, they, I call them anomalous vibrations, you know, and you'll, the, the fork will actually slide to a stop wherever these anomalous vibrations are. So again, you're providing a mirror, you're providing a rhythmic input and the vertebrae will use that input to like adjust itself and bring itself into the right rhythm. And so uh, you just slide right down the spine, stopping at any place that's funky and then going along again. And you can go either direction. And what it does is it gets the whole spinal column like vibrating in the same, you know, they're singing the same song basically. Cause like I find with people who are very compartmentalized, which I certainly was as my trauma response, um, was to wall off great parts of myself and just not go there. And, uh, and <clears throat> you can hear it in the spine when people are, are, you know, they're much more present in their upper body and not really in their lower body or their lower mid back. So it just really literally brings people into center and, and into inner order and inner harmony simply by, you know, five minutes going up and down the spine. It's an incredible mm. gift. I mean, it fits in so beautifully with chiropractic or, um, or massage or what you do. We need to bring back the, the large gongs to the town square, you know, well, we don't even have town squares anymore, but, uh, you know what I mean? Cause that's a similar idea. Imagine if we had a society where we met every morning and we hit the gong and everybody had the vibrations through and got centered before they went off for their day. Right. Like they used to, I mean, well, you know, the church bells, I mean, I don't know, you know, I've been going down that Tartarian rabbit hole and part of what's been really interesting <laughs> to me with old world architecture is all of the bells that there were these massive bells, these gorgeous bells and that they were everywhere and that they were the bells and the organs kept the evil spirits away. So just like the tuning forks clean out the field, turn the stuff that's heavy and dark, we alchemize it back into light. And, and, and I'm using tuning forks to keep the field clean and bright and flowing and myself healthy. These bells in all of these towers had the same intention, just what you said. Um, and what's really tragic to me is that so many of them were destroyed in both World War One and World War Two. They were melted down and turned into munitions. And the term bellwether, right? It's a bellwether for something. You yeah. know, think of that word, right? That's literally, um, you know, how they, and that ties into weather and intention and the waters above, waters below and all that. But interesting when you tie that word in because, uh, you know, every morning, yeah, you'd have the bells chiming and that starts your day. And I love the sound of bells. I used to have those, fortunately, in the town I grew up still from our Catholic church still had those. But isn't that, isn't that really depressing and sad? <laughs> they took those bells and made them for murdering yeah. people. It I mean, really that's is. how dark well, you know, the realm is right now. Yeah. Since we're getting conspiratorial here, you know, in the world of sound, um, 
for a long time, the Vatican actually, you're probably aware of this, outlawed the use of uh, harmonic fifths and other musical elements because they would create those changes, evolutionary changes at the level of the soul. So they restricted them. And it wasn't until Bach and a couple other folks came along that they were heretics and they yeah. started daring to use them and it unlocked a whole uh, another level of music for people. Um, you know, here, one of our uh, near future projects on the farm is we're going to recreate a sound studio, uh, but it's going to be, uh, a, you know, just a small building just for sound. Um, back in uh, oh, the 80s, you know, when I was doing some sound work, I brought out a woman by the name of Sherry Edwards. Have you ever? Oh, yeah, I'm her? really familiar with Sherry. Yeah, I mean, remember, okay. I really started off as a researcher. So I took try yeah. to take a good look so, at everybody yeah. who was out there and everything that they were doing. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of assumed you know of her more for our audience. So, um, but anyway, uh, before she was well known, we brought her out to our clinic in Maui and she helped me uh, set up my first sound, sound room in my clinic. And, you know, we trained our staff and everything. And uh, I created uh, apertures that would create uh, different geometric projections and we had different kind of light frequencies. And then with Sherry's help, we were had some technology that helped us discern the missing notes in people's, uh, uh, you know, through their voices and things. And, and, and it involved a lot of acupuncture and everything, but then we created a table with a grid. And then I would, you know, on the individual diagnostics, create a acupuncture layout and then have um, alligator clips going into the uh, you know, into the person's body with whatever they needed. And then the, the tone that they needed would be pumped through the grid and then through the wires into the person's body through the meridians while they're getting corresponding uh, geometric forms at different parts of their body with different light frequencies. So we're going to take that up a few notches here in the near future and reconstruct some things and maybe even be uh, working with Sherry on that. We've done, That's by the awesome. way, we have done two alpha casts with Sherry Edwards uh, for those listening that are interested. Um, and it's really quite interesting, the work she does with her natural ear and seeing, hearing pitch. And you were mentioning binaural beats. That's like a big part of her technology as well. So check that out, guys, if you're interested in Sherry. We've had two really cool talks with her. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just wanted to mention that because, uh, you know, I, I really do believe sound is the the future of everything. So uh, so we're having a lot of fun with it here. I mean, yeah. And, and, uh, and one thing we do at Music yeah. and Sky every morning is we start with a sound bath. Right. And that's like we're washing, you know, washing away um, any of the mental grit <laughs> and stuff. And that stuff's real. That stuff works amazing. And singing bowls and all of those harmonics with chanting and singing and doing decrees and uh, singing prayer, like that's all, you know, that often gets put together in this sort of mysticism package or woo-woo magical package, but that's the science. That's the science of the realm and how it well, all it's connects. Also, it's also human, you know, humans have been using music for healing for ever and every continent, you know, it's, it is a human thing to do, to do these things. There's nothing woo woo about it. It's just very naturally human to be inclined in these ways. And, you know, Mike, I'll take this opportunity to tell you that, uh, talk to my team about coming to music and sky and everybody agreed that I should go. So, I'm okay. We're announcing it here live on AlphaCast. Eileen McCusick will be at music and sky and we'll talk more about, um, I'd love to have you as one of the keynote speakers during family dinner. 
if that works. And um, people are going to be super, super pumped on this, including Chance, who's in the chat here. Okay, Chance, you're, uh, you you got to make it happen now, buddy. You got to come out as well. So uh, how exciting. I can't wait to meet you in person and, and give you a big hug. That's great news. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So one of the other things that I'm involved with besides uh, the tuning forks is I've partnered with these two Australian brothers named the Brothers Corn, Isaac and Toral Corn, and they uh, help people to claim their own singing voice. And after many years of working with the tuning forks and realizing that ultimately we have a limited audience of people who will avail themselves to tuning fork healing, but everyone, almost everyone listens to music. And so I started to wonder like, okay, can I take everything that I've learned about sound and tension, the biofield, the biofield anatomy, and can I translate that into music into into songs you know that sound like something that you would just hear in the grocery store but there's actually like a stealth program going on that you're not necessarily aware of where it's very deeply embedded with intention and so i started working with isaac and torold um because they because i as much as i'm comfortable um as a speaker, I can speak in front of thousands of people. I don't even get nervous getting up on stage. I had this incredibly irrational fear around actually singing. And I've been working for decades to overcome that fear and get to a place where I'm comfortable with my singing voice. And so I started working with them to get me to sing so that I could create this music. And uh, and what ended up happening is that one of their exercises is to really get inside the body and understand the body as instrument and and to sound from the places that feel closed or shut down. Something that they usually do with people like two or three times and then they're on to like singing. But because of me, like because I'm so curious about what's going on in my body, the whole process of that actually turned into a whole body of work that we call sing the body electric and we took the idea you know a lot of people will chant like the seed syllables or the rom lom you know the sort of stuff that's been doing for a long time certain sounds with certain chakras we took those systems and threw them out the window and we would sit around in zoom meetings making all of these sounds figuring out what sounds resonated in what parts of our body. And so we created this whole thing called the sonic anatomy, where it's a collection of 24 different sounds that come out of different areas of your body. So what I was thinking would be really fun to do at Music and Sky is lead people through the sonic anatomy while I'm doing a tune-up at the same time. So, for example, the sound that, that of the root center of like your tailbone and sound going into the ground is wah. And so just hang out and do a bunch of wah till you really feel it resonating in your tailbone. But we're also, we can do an adjustment in that area with the tuning forks. So I want to get everybody to tune themselves from the inside out while I'm also doing a group tune up with the forks. And I think that that will be a very powerful and resonant experience for everyone. Wow. That's going to be, that would be amazing. You know, and, um, in martial arts, there's uh, in the inner um, kind of work, there's techniques just like that, you know, where you have to find internal points because that's what you're using internally for what you're learning. And uh, that's what you're taught to do is to start in one key with your voice and just go up and down the octave until you find that spot in your body. And it's the best way. Like if you want to 
find your pineal gland. You know, a lot of people do meditations with that. Uh, easiest thing in the world is just to start vibrating with your own voice. And when you hit that note, it just it's vibrating right there. So uh it, i mean it's it's just so demonstrable even the average person can feel it pretty readily so it's it's great stuff really fun yeah and what's really great so when we do these sing the body electric programs we, we've done them virtually but we're doing a first live one in december which we're really excited about um but when we when we start at the beginning of the program we have everybody sing happy birthday to themselves and then we go through this whole like sonic anatomy and opening up and really you know getting people sort of inwardly liberated and then we have them sing happy birthday again and everybody is much more playful with their voice they're you know they're really using their body as an instrument to play and and that's you know unfortunately so many people don't like their singing voice right and yet we're instruments and the greatest healing like tuning forks are cool but they cost money but your voice is free your voice is free and you can you can make it as your own body a sound healing instrument you know just by kind of playing with it and even like a lot of one of the big things that i say is you know i think um as far as health and healing like people are really concerned about what goes in their mouth uh, you know, the whole like clean food thing. And I'm like, like Mike and like, you know, like I'm a local vor, but I'm also an opportunistic eater. Like I'll eat whatever, wherever I, you know, travel a lot, got to eat whatever and do happily combust it with my, my vigorous electric digestion. <laughs> like I used to not be able to have dairy and wheat. And like so many people are like, uh, and I used to be like that too, until I like got my biofield in order and understood that this is all electric and that this, as long as I'm like juiced up and my battery is strong, I can combust anything for the most part. Oh, I haven't tried on McDonald's or anything like that. <laughs> I avoid that experiment. <laughs> but um, uh, now I forgot what I was saying about the point of making all these sounds well i i think oh, you I might know. have been what goes in your well, mouth i was just gonna yeah right <laughs> what goes out of your mouth right this is the power yeah. of the word and that you know exactly. i i remember having a student come to class and saying to me i have hashimoto's disease and i was like wait stop i was like who is hashimoto why do you have his disease and why are you saying that Right. Like, think about what you're saying. You're you are using the power of your own creative word to speak into being that you have this disease. That's like you need to pay attention to what you're saying. Right. My people can have what they say, but my people keep saying what they have. And like we just with our own word, we can speak ourselves into health. We can speak ourselves into whatever. Um, and people are very irresponsible with their words. There's a lot of blah, 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 blah going on and not a lot of like words, power and sound, like, you know, clear manifestation and declarations of of our health and well-being. So, you know, the yeah. and sound instrument is right under our nose, really. And, and sorry to say, but the conventional medical system in its present state is practicing black magic not because all the the doctors are you know evil or have bad intentions but when you speak those belief systems into a resonant uh audible sound you know and especially followed by i am or i feel some such thing then you 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 know if you understand everything we've been talking about today 
And then you go to, you know, speaking those sorts of words about yourself, you cannot escape the fact that you are creating that as a manifestation in your reality. It is such basic science. And to think that we have a medical profession that deliberately does that and fosters that whole ownership of a malady, just because you have symptoms that meet so many numbers of a criteria that then, you know, define that symptom or that syndrome, then I have that. And then you become that. And that's all they do. It's nothing different than voodoo. So we really have to get a lot smarter about sound. Yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> and it is like voodoo. There's just a lot of lies in that, in that whole model as well. You know, it's just based on, on falsehoods. And I think it's really important that we move the medical model forward with an understanding of our body's electrical system and electric health. It's just much more elegant. It's much easier to treat electric health. You know, this is the blueprint. It's the template. If your electric system is in order, then your physiology follows that blueprint. So we want to fix it at the level of the blueprint and then the body fixes itself. And, you know, if we stay and, harmonious, then the body stays harmonious. And uh, in all fairness, there are some great medical doctors that are really climbing on board, but not only that, but pioneering some good stuff like Dr. Tennant. And I know you're very familiar with his work. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry's, uh, you know, was a really, his, his book healing is voltage when i came across like low ph is the same as low voltage i was like that's the keystone of translation from chemical speak to electric speak right there because they're all of a sudden you're just like oh yeah it's the same thing like well i'm not going to talk about low ph i'm going to talk about low voltage and i want to you know a healthy system has optimized voltage in it and an unhealthy system is like a dim battery you know it's like a dim flashlight we're either like fully bright or we're dim and then we're fading away. And uh, yeah. you can eat all the vegetables in the world and drink all the celery juice in the world. And you're not going to necessarily raise your voltage because that's not necessarily releasing the tension that's creating the restriction that's stopping your flow from being optimized. Absolutely correct. The only thing I would add to that or qualified a bit is it's about the efficiency of voltage. Uh, for instance, pH is very relative. It's a lot, uh, uh, people don't understand that. So if you're measuring pH, uh, I've talked a lot about it on our podcast, you take a lot of other measurements and then um, the, the resistance measurement, which we call pH, then becomes part of a larger equation with other molecular extrapolations from bodily fluids that tell you conductivity and all sorts of other things. And then it tells you the efficiency, that line of resistance for electricity in your body. Then you can customize and understand, well, you know, uh, a, a proper pH would be different for each one of us. But just generally speaking, you know, if somebody's like way in the acidic range or something, you know, it is an indicator that, you know, maybe something is going south. And uh, yeah, it's all about relativity, relativity and uh, efficiency. And then, of course, the more efficient we get, then we are literally a superconductor, which is how our body was originally designed, which means we have uh, signaling with little or no resistance, which means uh, we're really not burning ourselves up or having any reason to age in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely been my experience of this work. You know, I'm 53. Mm -hmm. I don't have any health 
issues at all. Uh, well, I did actually, I was in a motorcycle accident a few weeks ago uh, and I fractured the outside of my left ankle. The only place that I had a weak zone in my whole body where I've had all the health issues that I've ever had have been in my left foot. And uh, I went tumbling down the road and the only place where I got an injury was where I had a previous weakness. Um, but because my voltage is high and because I'm exposing myself to good things, uh, I was able to walk on my fracture two weeks after the accident. I've um, been healing really, really fast um, because my system has very little of that, you know, that resistance, that non-beneficial resistance in it. There's just a lot of flow going on, which enables it to repair itself more quickly. Um, and so it's a way for like aging backwards when you get your electrical yeah. system out of the bunches that it's been in. Yeah. Uh, just, just one last thing, and then Mike, I know you probably have some things you want to say, but um, we're running up on time. I wanted to run this by because I've heard you speak on it. You know, a lot of times we talk about a high state of consciousness is high frequency, and that's okay. We all understand what we're talking about, but uh, you know, frequency is just you know the repetitive number of waveforms in a given time frame and the amplification of things. So high frequency technically doesn't necessarily mean high consciousness, but anything you can add to that? Yeah, I mean, when people talk about raising their frequency, it's sort of sort of technically incorrect. I mean, that's not really what you're looking for. What you're looking for is getting your frequency in tune. You wanna be in tune. You wanna be living from your vibrational sweet spot. And we don't just wanna go up. I mean, why would we just go up? We're, 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 our, we're spherical. We wanna expand our consciousness. We wanna expand in every direction. This sort of up, down, very hierarchical, very limited way of looking at things. Um, there's also this sort of demonization of low vibes. You know, like what about base frequencies? Or we need low frequencies to sleep and to rest. So it's yeah, really, delta waves, right? Yeah, it's like incorrect language. I think I'm more interested in us clarifying our signal, raising our voltage, expanding our consciousness, right? That's all more speaks to the feeling that is going on. This sort of raising your vibration is just limited and uh, it's not useful language. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful guys. And thinking of the of the body as a superconductor, of course, we have our zero point liquids. Uh, as a little product plug, which we never do on this show. We don't do enough. So believe it or not, we sell product, <laughs> Alpha Vedic. And Bear uh, was the one who really like entrain really taught me this stuff. Got decades, you know, over a decade ago about uh, our body as a superconductor and something that we've been selling since day one, our zero point liquids, which are a Shilajit uh, solution uh, in a um, trans transitional um, base of uh, humic and fulvic minerals. And uh, that stuff works. And there's a reason why, because it's, well, Bear, you explain real quick why, and sorry, to, I'm not trying to plug a product, but I'm telling you, it's our number one, our, our full spectrum zero point liquids is our number one selling product for a reason. Um, yeah, it, the, the thing that makes it unique besides just being the fulvic humic base, which is, you know, technically shielded yet is the transitional elements. And those are the, uh, the harmonics between the keynotes on the periodic table, the things that science has yet to uh, discover or acknowledge. And in some circles, they call it ormus, ormat, uh, orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. But transitional elements is really the proper term because it doesn't bring you back into a false periodic table of reductionist atoms, you know, and magic BBs that stick together to create our reality. It's all about waveforms. 
and uh, everything is in transition. One element becomes the next and the next, and they all travel through the octaves, exactly like we're talking about, you know, the three kingdoms of nature. We all follow the same principles, as, as you've said today, Eileen, and minerals are no exception. So when you take your minerals, you don't just want to have the keynotes. You want to have all the harmonics in between because that is what develops or cultivates that um, that quality of uh, superconductivity within our neurology. And when that happens, then we need very little input from the outside in order to just keep a perpetual energy machine going in the first place. And hence why I'm moving closer and closer to becoming a breatharian. Uh, any final uh, statements or uh, any final remarks for our community? Uh, our community and uh, the wonderful chat today. I'm sorry if we didn't get to all your questions, guys. Um, uh, Eileen, can you drop in your information so people can uh, know how to get a hold of you? And because uh, there were some phenomenal questions I couldn't get to today, and actually some very advanced questions too. Uh, but yeah, any final remarks? And then how can people get a hold of you? Um, well, you know, we're all built for harmony. I mean, we're we are all instruments that are built for harmony. Our our factory settings are for harmony. And I believe that it's possible for, for people to get there. You know, I, I have a very optimistic outlook on, uh, on human potential and, and where we can go. I feel like what I've discovered with my sort of primitive poking around in the field with a tuning fork and discovering this electrical system and starting to understand sound, um, that there's a platform here to really build on in a lot of different directions. And I feel like we're doing a lot of the heavy lifting right now. Um, but in time that we're, it's just going to be known that we have electrical systems and biofield medicine. And uh, certainly, you know, I've seen therapeutic sound evolve so much uh, from 1996 when everyone's like, wow, I've never heard of that to like, everybody's heard of sound healing now. Most people have been to a sound bath in some way or another, you know, so it's really changed in this last couple of decades. And I think this whole idea of electric health and biofilm medicine will as well. And that, um, you know, for the most part, we can become healthy and stay healthy and that we don't need to have massive amounts of resources dedicated towards this flawed medical model that we're currently working in. So I believe that it's possible for this to evolve in our lifetimes. And I encourage anybody who's interested in this who's of a researching nature to dive in because th there's still so much to learn and still so much to discover um you know we're, we're only at the very beginnings i think of of understanding this and evolving the paradigm so so jump in if you feel that way um and then if you want to learn more from the resources i've created so my website is biofieldtuning.com um, there's also electrichealth.com that's got some information on it, actually a lot of peer-reviewed articles and stuff, um, and uh, scholarly articles about the biofield are there, so if you're putting together any kind of scholarly research, there's a lot of resources. Um, we have practitioners all over the world, so if you want to receive a biofield tuning session, obviously you can do it at a distance. Um, we have a bunch of recordings of me conducting biofield tuning sessions on, on our website. Uh, there's a handful of free ones and there's ones, all kinds of stuff um, that you can listen to there. And um, recently, just recently, I started seeing clients again. So um, I'm available uh, in a very limited way, but I am available if anybody wants to have a session with me. And I know that Mike can give some kudos to that experience. So um and what else? Uh, I have a YouTube channel. So I got a lot of a lot of content on YouTube. So you can check that out. Just search my name on YouTube. 
Also, uh, are you putting on a, a special workshop in December? Is that are you the one putting that on? Because I know our friend Will, uh, who is uh, an active practitioner in biogeometry and a lot of different things, has already signed up for that in California. Are you involved with that? Or are you just speaking at that? Well, so that's um, the Shift Network is putting on an in-person sound healing retreat in a Silmar, uh, which is in Monterey, California. That's December fourth through tenth. And, um, and that I'm going to be there with the Brothers Corn. We're doing the first ever live Sing the Body Electric at that sound healing retreat. Um, my good friend, Geraldine Glass, who's a master uh, crystal bowl player. Um, there's going to be drumming. There's going to be chanting. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. And it's a, a whole week. So it's going to be a very immersive experience. I'm really looking forward to it. I think that if anybody wants to come to that, it will be very transformative. And Isaac and Torold and I are pretty sure that we're going to have an electric choir uh, by the end of it, that we're going to have people really... Um, enjoying their voices and feeling a lot more free. Um, and actually, there's one more event coming up this Saturday uh, and next Saturday with Andy Kaufman and his True Medicine University. I'm doing like a kind of tuning forks and electric health 101 kind of thing. So if you want to learn more about the sort of premise of electric health, how sound impacts it. And actually, my friend Victor Wooten, who's a legendary bassist, Victor Wooten, uh, who's very much a healing musician himself is coming in for a guest appearance to talk about how he is a musician uses his instrument um, in a healing way uh, so check out true medicine university um, with andy kaufman and that's this saturday next oh thanks so much for bringing that up i was going to actually i had that in my notes here to mention uh, since I believe we're even an affiliate for that. So <laughs> I'll get the link up uh, in the show notes below as Andy's a close friend of ours as well. And we always want to support him. So that's so cool. You're connected with Andrew and you're doing that uh, uh, amazing stuff. You're really doing the work and and helping humanity. Thanks so much, Eileen. We appreciate you so much. And I'm excited to see you. Yeah, Eileen, thank you. Time. Yeah, thank you guys. My pleasure for sure. Yeah, thank you, Eileen. Uh, and and thank you for sharing your amazing work. I will be a regular student from here on. And um, uh, since you're coming out to Music and Sky, I won't be there. I've got a farm to tend to. And uh, But I'm just a few hours further up north. You're always welcome to stop by here when you're on the West Coast. You're always welcome here at the... All right. That's great. I'll probably take you up on that. I know I spoke, Bear, a little bit. Uh, and Bear, you froze up on us here. Um, but I did speak with Eileen a bit about the majesty of the Smith River yeah. yesterday and sold her on it. So she wants to come. And I said, bring the fam. You got to come swim in the uh, emerald waters of the healing emerald waters of the Smith and come hang out at the farm. So uh, let's definitely figure that out. That will be a, a hoot to hang out with you here. Uh, we can't wait for that. And thanks, everybody, for chiming in today on chat. Uh, for those who missed this, um, you can catch this replay on Be Sovereign, uh, Sayer G's platform, which is now converted to Unite.Live. I believe that conversion's happening. We actually had a great, great crowd and all these different alternative platforms too, uh, on Unite, on Odyssey, on uh, we are on Facebook and all these. So please join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, live, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time uh, in the chat because it's a lot of fun. And then, of course, this will go out as an audio podcast as well, which if you enjoy just listening, you can do that. That goes out to all platforms. So thanks again so much, Eileen. We appreciate and love you so much. And everybody who resonated uh, with this, please give us a thumbs up, a like, share with your friends and family. That really helps spread the word. And remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, grow, grow something, go for a hike. Mother Nature's our best teacher. Uh, and so give her some love back, will ya? We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Cheers.